and welcome once again to Inner City Spirit, podcast hosted by myself, the Reverend Hannah Elizabeth Atkins Romero, uh, Rector of Trinity Episcopal Church in Midtown Houston, where the building is still closed, but church is still happening through our witness and ministry with our homeless neighbors, with each other, and by just hanging in there through this pandemic. Our guest today is the Right Reverend Kay Ryan, our um, Bishop Suffragan in the Diocese of Texas, and she was to make um, her uh, visit to Trinity this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, Sunday, May 24th, and she will not be doing it in person because of the pandemic, but she will be visiting us via video and giving us the message in that way, and we look forward to it. So she agreed to be interviewed today about the fifth station, um, which takes us into a theme that is sort of dear to the hearts of um, a church, a sacramental church, in which the Eucharist is very important. Um, and she gives us a good word on that. Our musical guest is um, Adam Bernstein, a friend from Rutgers University days and who shared um, an old recording that is joyful and has a wonderful retro sound. The Fifth Station The risen Lord is recognized in the breaking of the bread. The scripture comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 24, verses 29 through 32. They urged him, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their hearts were opened, and they recognized him. But he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for taking the time to um, be with me this morning and talk about the fifth station of the light series, Bishop Ryan. I really appreciate it. It's so good to be with you this morning, Hannah, and to, to think about the ways that through devotions like the Stations of Light, we can experience Christ's presence and Christ's light in our lives, even in the midst of a lot of uh, confusion and suffering and, and grief that we're experiencing right now. Yeah, I think that um, these um, devotions might not be as well known as the Stations of the Cross, but 
are particularly um, important during this pandemic. And I'm, I'm wondering if there are some ways in the last few months that you have seen that hope in the midst of suffering, that light of Christ in particular ways in your ministry. Well, you know, there are people who have been amazingly generous and sacrificial um, signs of hope, even when others are discouraged. And one sort of big collective way has been the work that the people at El Buen Samaritano, which is a social service center um, the Episcopal Church has in Austin, have come together to feed hundreds of people every week, about 450 families a week. And they They've done that with, with courage, knowing that it puts them at risk, um, but they've done it efficiently so that lots of people can receive food, and they've done it without judgment. And I think that that's one of the things that's been a real sign of Christ's light and life to me is, is the way that people have extended grace and help without thinking it's pe- because people are you know, have done something wrong in their own life. Mm-hmm. There's this recognition that we're that we're all impacted negatively by this pandemic, but that some are suffering more profoundly than others because of their life circumstances. And just that generosity has been such a sign of life. And not just in in sort of corporate ways like an agency expanding its food bank, but in individual ways. People who have seen people reach out to their neighbors and offer to do errands that you wouldn't normally think of doing for strangers, you know, going and buying some groceries because because it's hard for the other person to get out or just because they're scared. Yeah. And and that, that any any of those signs, it's not because the giver himself isn't suffering. Right. None of us are doing much right now from a position of great strength, even though some have greater resources than others. But it's because, I mean, it's a sign of love. Yeah. It's just out of, of some sense of love and, and strength, I think, often fueled by, by a courage given by Christ. Yeah, and not just once, right? That people have know when they're offering to do something, it's going to be for a little while now. It, that is sinking in that people are going to have to continue to offer those um, special errands, you know, for longer than a hurricane or um, whatever. But for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I mean, the the energy that was, you know, sort of concentrated in the first couple of weeks has, I think, transitioned into a, you know, in a, into a spirit of, of perseverance and, and a, a compassion that rises from an even deeper place. You remember after Harvey how... You know, our house was flooded and, and people came and amazing people came, people we knew and didn't know, to help muck out our house. But after a few weeks, I remember how the garbage wasn't being picked up and how the people sort of living in those neighborhoods felt like 
after the initial help that there was a little bit of forgetfulness. And I don't think there really was, but it's just that transition. But there's been a way, I think, in this that people have persevered, that clergy and lay people in the churches who have both been patient at what they've had to give up, but also committed to acting for the good and the health of all and the good use of medical resources and stuff, and just helping one another with with sort of that sense of of commitment that goes on and on. Yeah, and the fifth station is about something that people are struggling with a lot now. Um, It's the Eucharist, uh, well, they connect the breaking of the bread on Luke 24, 29-32 with the Eucharist, which um, is a traditional way of looking at this passage. Um, and the strangers that recognize Christ in the breaking of the bread ask him to stay with with them, and and it is in that breaking that they recognize finally that it's Christ in front of them. And you know, one of the sacrifices for people of faith during this time has been not. Um, being able to participate in communion. Can you talk about that a little bit and how how we've approached that and explain that to folks? I think that the you know the felt absence, the way we we've identified what we're lacking is is the actual reception of the bread and the wine that's been consecrated to be for us Christ's real presence. I believe that the hunger is is deeper and more complex than just not receiving the bread and the wine. Mm-hmm. That the you know in the story of the road to Emmaus, what the travelers say when they when Jesus has broken the bread and then disappeared is were not our hearts strangely warmed mm-hmm. when he was with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? Sometimes I think that we think that if we could just taste that bread and receive that wine and in the in the spirit of prayers, that that would fulfill us in our hunger. But the, on the road to Emmaus, the the experience was was more complex it was also the the communal engagement with scripture and the presence of the community right that there were two or three or together we could hand out bread and wine in some way but it wouldn't it wouldn't be the fullness of the eucharist which is the real in which the real presence arises from the community gathered and praying over this particular bread, this particular wine that's then shared among a community of people who are diverse and we have to put up with each other's differences and forgive one another and be strengthened together to go out as a sort of motley crew empowered by Christ, representing Christ, being Christ in the world. So I'm, so I think that we we do have that deep hunger for the Eucharist, but I think that the hunger is for more than just the sacramental bread and wine. 
it's for the whole the whole experience that makes Christ's living, breathing, strengthening us, empowering us to go out. And so I've been helped during this time by another story that is uh, the story of the people in the wilderness hungering um, when they were traveling with Moses. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're so hungry and they cry out and Moses prays to God and, and the Lord provides during the night provides the flaky substance that we come to call manna. Um, and when the people wake up and they see it, what they say, what is it? And, and Moses says to them, it's the bread the Lord has provided. I think that in this time, the Lord is providing bread. And it's different. It's different. It does not substitute for the Eucharist. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But God is feeding God's people and inviting us to, in this wilderness time, see the other forms of bread that he's giving us so that we'll be strengthened by Christ's presence. And that is in the engagement in the stories and the um, exploration of, of the ways that the scriptures tell us that Christ is present with us. Um, that's not all focused on the Eucharistic kind of passages. And, and, and then furthermore, just inviting people to explore the passages like the Emmaus passage. Do you all do godly play at Trinity? I know, Godly Play, yeah, we do catechesis of the good Yeah, catechesis. But the same thing, right? It's experiential exploration and wondering about the stories of Scripture mm-hmm. and, the, and the traditions of the Church. In all of the things we do in catechesis of the Good Shepherd or in Godly Play, we enter into the story and explore it. And that includes things like the story of Emmaus and even the Eucharist. The children explore doing the Eucharist together. And there is food and strength and and insight that comes from those experiences. It doesn't substitute for the Eucharist, Mm -mm. but it does give us a deeper appreciation both of the the story of Jesus and of our own hunger and the ways that God feeds us. That then when we get to re-engage in the Eucharist, um, it's a deeper, richer experience. Yeah. And so I wonder if this time might give us, might invite all of us of whatever age to wonder about and explore those stories, even while we are not able to receive and know that the Eucharist then gives us, right, when we do experience the Eucharist, that part of what can't be replaced right now is the regathering, the remembering of the community, the body of Christ and the strengthening to, to go out. That, that can't be replaced by just delivering, you know, bread and wine to people. Yes, I think that's a beautiful way to explain it. And even in this story, you know, they recognize Christ in the breaking of the bread, and the Eucharist is where we have come to really recognize Christ's presence and the gathering of the community. And now I think, like you spoke about in the beginning, we're called to recognize Christ in the story of salvation that we're seeing as people live out their faith 
um, by you know sacrificial generosity and love that they're showing to neighbor. It's a time for deepening and learning and patience for us all. So any last comments, thoughts, observations about this strange new world we're living in? Well, I think just um, inviting people to think not just about what we need to do to go back to church, but what it looks like to be the church in this time. Mm -hmm. Where I see hope, it's where it's where people aren't focused entirely on their own needs, yeah. but on their needs of their neighbor and on the common good. That, that Christ's life um, given is not just for the church, but for the church to be a source of that life, giving life to everyone. And that that I, I think that, that Christ is inviting each one of us every single day uh, to be a life giver to other people, um, and that I and I trust that God is God is keeping His promises that He made in Christ, which is I will be with you always, and even if we're close in our homes or on our streets or whatever, grieving our losses or fearing for the future, that Christ is with us to help us meet those um, and to and to allow us to be life givers to others. Amen. <laughs> we, we look forward to having you with us virtually in a visit this Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I wish I could be there in person. <laughs> well, uh, that'll come. That'll come. So take care. Have a wonderful day. Again, thank you for fitting this in. And um, thank you so much. And yeah, I really loved what um, you said about the communion and also about the signs of life that you see in both the organizations that have adapted to focus their mission on, on the needs without judgment and on um, the deeper hunger that is um, reflected in our longing for the Eucharist. So thank you and take care. Thank you, Hannah. Blessings. Again, I'd like to thank Bishop Ryan for her words of wisdom and encouragement and hope and her willingness to be part of this podcast in such a busy time. I also like to thank once again Adam Bernstein. It is wonderful to reconnect through music and remember some great times in college. If you'd like to hear other episodes of Inner City Spirit, please go to our website, trinitymidtown.org. Blessings to you all. Love and love is everything I need.